0: Welcome back to Cobbler's Gulch. Episode 7 Poof. Mistress Drusilla Maestro's unbelievable carnival barge drops its anchor in the port of a thousand albatross. just like it did before every blood moon for the last several hundred years. Hazel sidesteps and weaves through the circus folk who are busy ferrying back and forth to the barge, raising tents, hanging posters and prepping the show. There's Engelbert Armadillo, who juggles live chickens. And occasionally dead chickens, but that's only when the show takes a bad turn. There's Baron von Gumpertz, the disembodied contortionist who can remove one part of his body and swap it for another. He often closes his performance by yanking off his head, attaching it to his backside, and telling his audience, The end of the show has reared its ugly head. (laughs) There's Juniper McWinter, A pipe smoker who blows smoke not into rings, but into pastoral landscapes that fade into nothingness. Nothing lasts forever. And there's also the center ring attraction, Fox and Snooty Switchbait, the two-headed sword swallowers. Fox and Snooty came into the sword swallowing business as teenagers, (laughs) and largely by accident, when a gravedigger challenged them to a duel. (laughs) The gravedigger loved a woman who loved Fox and Snooty. And the gravedigger knew, like everyone knows, that two heads are better than one. Not wanting to be at a disadvantage in the duel, the gravedigger opted for a Florentinian style of swordplay. Basically, the Florentinian style requires two blades, and the gravedigger opted for both a sword and a dagger. He lunged with the former and followed with the latter, and Fox and Snooty who weren't yet accustomed to the peculiar movements of two-headed swordsmanship, tripped over their own feet. And, by virtue of nearly geographically impossible dumb luck, they caught both blades, one through either mouth and down each goat. Yes, yes, well done, well done. This ended the duel and began a lifelong pursuit of swordsmanship, sword smithing, and sword swallowing. No person or beast in all of the Whisperlands knows more about blades, or how to wield them, than fox and snooty switchbait. Seeing a two-headed man, let alone a two-headed sword swallower, for most people, makes for a peculiar afternoon. But for Hazel, the more peculiar thing is seeing fox and snooty switchbait negotiating the price of a dozen iron swords with that stranger, Wooden Wolf Montfort. Hazel wonders what he might be up to, first digging and now buying iron swords. As if Wooden Wolf can feel Hazel's curiosity, his eyes shoot up toward her. She looks away and reminds herself why she's there, to find Zip. Hazel knows she'll find Zip in the port of a thousand albatross. Lingering and lollygagging amongst the performers, being a shape-shifting doppelganger, Zip finds solace in the company of circus folk, who, because of their familiarity with aberrations and oddities, would scarcely bat an eye at a boy who turns willy-nilly into a winged warthog, and then into a polka-dotted polyglog. and then into a collie-wobbled wasteland gompho, and then back into a boy again. When Hazel finds Zip. Lady Lavinia is sitting on a barrel of rum and giving him an earful. She's a bearded lady, and Zip has offered to help her shave, just around the neck. After all, any bearded lady worth her salt maintains strict grooming standards. But when Zip takes the razor, he turns into an octopus.
1: I'm dreadful, dreadful sorry, Lady Lavinia. Please, please believe me.
0: Doppelgangers tend to repeat themselves. There's no fingerprint quite like a person's very own tongue.
1: I thought it might be quicker, much quicker, with eight hands? (laughs) Not hands. They were tentacles.
0: Zip has already turned back into his normal self. A scrawny, crooked-looking boy, his one brown eye and one blue eye darting nervously one way, then the other. If you're going to turn into an octopus, all well and good. But give a lady some warning. You don't and you
1: startle me. Then I scream and I startle you. The razor goes flying and next thing you know, my throat is slit. Or worse,
0: my beard. Her tongue shoots out to wet the mustache on her upper lip. And she sneers, picking up the fallen razor and dragging it back and forth across the razor strap. You know what would happen to you if something had happened to my beard? Hazel's about to intervene on Zip's behalf, but she doesn't have to. Lady Lavinia's threat all but deflates when she looks up and Zip is gone. Well, he isn't really gone. He just transforms into a potted plant. A shrinking violet, if you want to be precise about it. Hazel notices his brown eye and blue eye in the center of two of the flowers. She scoops him up and scurries on out of the port of a thousand albatross. Zip transforms back into his normal self about halfway between the Port of a Thousand Albatross and what is now the empty field of Lilt Blossoms. This is just enough time for Hazel to fill Zip in on her goblin theory. The nanny and billy goats chew cud in the distance, with little interest in goblins or theories.
1: But I don't know a thing about goblins. Not. A. Thing. I don't need you to know anything about goblins, I need you to be a goblin. A goblin? Does it have to be a goblin? Zip, haven't you been a goblin before? Sure. I've been a goblin. Sure. I've been most everything. Or just about everything.
0: Hazel knows this. She's seen Zip change into a dozen different creatures before breakfast. Any number of times. Usually, she wonders why he changes into some of the creatures he changes into. His choices are often curious and mistimed, like the time he turned into a tap-dancing skeleton when a (coughs) bone-hungry bloodhound had wandered into the orphanage.
1: Well, if you can turn into a goblin and walk around a bit, I can follow you and get a good look at your footprints. Footprints. Right. Footprints.
0: Zip nods as if he understands. He doesn't. He isn't dim or daft, just nervous at the thought of turning into a goblin. And nerves make him a bit slow when it comes to thinking, which is probably true for most of us. Definitely true for me.
1: And once I know what goblin footprints look like, I'll be able to figure out where the goblins are coming from. What happens once you know where they're coming from? What happens then? I'll be able to make out where they're going, what they're doing, and why. And most importantly, how I can bring the lilt blossoms back into bloom.
0: The words fire from Hazel's lips, and Zip, even in his state of slow thinking, can see that Hazel is obsessed with this plan, and that there's no way she's going to excuse him from turning into a goblin. But more than that, Zip wants to help Hazel. She needs him. being needed, well, it can warm your backbone just a bit. They walk out into the now-empty field of lilt blossoms and stand there for a moment.
1: Okay. Whenever you're ready.
0: And with that, Zip's crooked body shrinks down as quick as a wink.
1: How's this, Hazel? How's this? It's not exactly what I was thinking.
0: This is an understatement. In fact, it's nothing like she was thinking. It's a lot more like a duck. A big, fat duck.
1: Let me have another go. Another go? Ought to do it. Alright, but this time, more goblin and less... Well, less feathers and, you know, just less duck. Less duck. Got it.
0: And with that, a small plume of feathers shoots into the air, and Zip transforms once again.
1: How's this? Uh, no good. You're a possum.
0: Actually, he's a one-eyed pot-bellied possum. <laughs>
1: well, that's closer, right? Uh, Possums are related to goblins, right? Possums? They're they're related to goblins. Not that I've heard. But I'm not really an expert, per se. They are. I'm pretty sure they are. Well, if you're getting closer, maybe that means you can turn into a goblin. How's this? You are now a giraffe.
0: A giraffe with a neck more crooked than a question mark.
1: This? Um, this. A three-year-old rabbit?
0: this an oogly-eyed buckwis
1: how's this a cross-eyed puka
0: how's this a saffron-scented skunk this a shetland pony this a devil's nest drakeling this a muckle-busted hippogriff a flopping rainbow trout A one-winged pigeon that flies in counterclockwise circles. A groat. And this is how it goes until Zip is transformed into just about every beast imaginable. Every beast except a goblin. At one point, he even transforms into a wet mop. His last turn is a giant toadstool. His mismatched eyes blinking on either side of the mushroom cap. How's this?
1: You are a toadstool toadstools are in the goblin family i think (sighs) they're not Uh, i'm sorry hazel i do so very much want to help you honestly i do
0: and he does he truly does but he doesn't know how and he tells hazel something he's never told anyone she knows some of it the general details like that Zip is a shape-shifting doppelganger. Anyone who stands in his presence knows this, and that despite his transformations, his dual-colored eyes always stay the same. One blue, like a midnight sky, and one brown, like a hill during the winter. What she doesn't know are the particulars. That Zip is part of the ancestral line of Umbra, who inhabit the Pollux Pass just beyond Horseshoe Hollow and the Northeast Mm -hmm. Saddle. Because of their peculiar powers, the Umbra have survived all but undetected for millennia. But for some reason, Zip is unable to control his doppelganging abilities. At any moment, usually during times of anxiety or fear, he transforms into an ogre, or a gomp wallop, or a banjango, or a toadstool. This jeopardized the safety that the Umbra people achieved through collective transformation. And so Zip was banished. Some might say, in fact, I would say... He was abandoned. And this is how he ended up at the Cobbler's Gulch Orphanage for boys and girls.
1: I've been changing willy-nilly for so long, I'm not sure who I am.
0: He changes from a toadstool back into a crooked, scrawny little boy.
1: I mean, which me is the right? Me? And why? And how would I even know? I don't know, Zip. You can only be yourself. That's true about everybody but me.
0: Hazel thinks the same thing about herself. How can a girl be who she is if she doesn't know where she comes from? Mm -hmm. The sky darkens. So they head back to the orphanage, leaving behind all of the tracks Zip has made. The hoof and footprints, the slither and flipper patterns, the paw imprints and the tail marks. Everything but a set of goblin tracks. And it's a shame they didn't stay just a little longer. Because if they had, then they most certainly would have run right into, right slap bang into the middle the mob of goblins on their way in to Cobbler's Gulch. Thanks for listening. On the next episode of Cobbler's Gulch, things that did and did not happen after the witching hour. In the meantime, if you're a teacher and you'd like to encourage your students to be more curious, to understand stories and storytelling, to learn the difference between facts and inferences, to have fun with language and vocabulary, then we of Cobbler's Gulch invite you to send us a message so we can share with you what we have in the works for listeners of this podcast. Just send your message to orphanage at cobblersgulch.com. We're excited to take this adventure into the classroom. Traditionally, remotely, or otherwise.